same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the
It's like a, it's like an anthem. It's like a statement. This is what I will do. And it doesn't matter what everyone else will do. This is what I will do. So, Lord, receive that act of worship, that statement is from you today, that we will follow you all of our days. Lord, no matter when days are bright and days are challenging, or when days are hopeful, when days feel like they'll never end, we will follow you. And we continue to remember those believers in the nation of Ukraine that you would continue to bless them. Lord, they're, they're not just singing a song like this. They're living a song like this. I will follow you all of my days. Lord, bless them, empower them, meet every need they have. Lord, bless their lives and their body and their mind and their spirit. Bless their children. God, bless those that are older, Lord, those that are leading. Bless them today. And, Lord, work an incredible miracle in their lives on their behalf. Lord, we look to you today. You are the Savior. You are our hope. And we say thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As the ushers come and prepare, we're grateful for the opportunity to worship. And aren't you glad that when you, uh, when you love somebody, doesn't matter who they are, but you, you can show them you love them in different ways. How, how, many, how many really feel loved when somebody does the dishes in your house? Anybody here feel loved that way? Whoosh. I hate dishes. I hate them. How many feel loved when somebody writes you a note maybe, you know, say, hey, thanks, great job. What we all can express love in so many ways, and this is a tangible way you can say, God, I love you, and I trust you with everything. And so as we love God today, as we worship him, be encouraged. Jesus, thank you that we get to love you and worship you and honor you in this very practical, tangible way. Lord, bless this offering. God, let it be powerful in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus Christ, my living hope. 
Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Uh, if you've gotten your bulletin today, make sure you check that out. Easter candy order forms are out in the lobby. Uh, make sure you grab one. Take a few to work. Uh, if you students here, take some to your teachers, your coaches, um, relatives. If you're going to be over somebody's house next weekend, grab some of those. I've, I'll make a thousand copies. I don't care. That'd be wonderful. Uh, but grab some today and uh, make sure you get those in the hand of somebody because next Sunday is really the last day to turn in order forms because we need to make sure uh, that on the 10th it's being delivered to you. So want to make sure you have it. Of course, be aware of the Children's Ministry recertifications, uh, the 27th, which is today, following service in the chapel, and the 24th for current workers, and uh, May 22nd for current and new. And if you become a member recently or just have, you know, have a desire to uh, get involved in one of the most uh, vital ministries in our church, working with children and youth, please uh, see the 22nd. Also, uh, we have some of the youth activities today uh, that, that are happening. The 17th, of course, is Resurrection Sunday. Make sure you're aware of that. And also next Sunday for Spirit Tour Youth Ministry, uh, for that event, make sure that next Sunday you're aware the uh, registration is due. Thank you. I didn't know if it was muted here or there. That's one way to keep me quiet. Um, three weeks from today is Easter. And every Easter we receive a special offering for Convoy of Hope, one day to feed the world. And most of you know what that's about, that you take one day's salary and it's given to Convoy of Hope on that one day. And not only, not only do they need this for their child feeding program around the world, 430, over 435,000 children receive a meal every day from Convoy. Disaster relief, and right now they have a special emphasis, as you know, in, in the area of Ukraine, the surrounding countries of Poland and Romania, Moldova. Uh, so they need our help that way. I want us to do it big this year. I want you to prepare. There's serious need in this world of ours like we have not seen in a long time. And so I want you to be ready to do something special on Easter Sunday morning. Um, I want to share with you a video from Convoy. It's, I believe it's a year in review. We'll see what they've been doing. This is what I believe. Everyone can do something. If you want fulfillment, if you want happiness, it comes by serving others. Time and again, we heard people say, you've given me hope. You're still good in the world. The Bible tells us as suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance builds character, and from character comes hope.
I thank God for Convoy of Hope. I'm telling you what, they, you know, watching what's happening around the world, I don't see, I've not once seen Convoy of Hope featured in any news clip, secular news clip. You notice that? You don't ever see their trailers or their logos or their setup, and they are active, and I'll share more videos in weeks to come, but they are actively involved in Ukraine right now. Uh, I mean, bringing food and supplies across the border into the war zone, and they're never mentioned. And you know what? I don't care. I just know that we're doing the job, that the church is there and we are mobilized. And I believe that they know how to do it most effectively. I mean, better than the big names that are out there. Okay. They know how to do it because we do it through the local church, the local pastor where the need really is. There, you know, there isn't, there isn't a lot of administrative expenses with Convoy of Hope. I've got to tell you that. And they have been rated the highest rating possible at Charity Navigator for almost, well, over a decade and a half at least. And that speaks highly of how well they are, how, what good stewards they are of the money that we give to them. So uh, you'll hear more in the weeks coming. Listen, we've got a couple more special things to do this morning before we get to today's message. And right now we want to uh, get a recap on a recent missions trip that our men went on. So Chuck Parsons, if you would please come and we'll get an update on what they did in the Bahamas besides swimming some beautiful azure waters. Did you do any swimming there? Yeah, okay. I mean, just confession is good for the soul. Yeah, we were suffering for the Lord, for sure, in the Bahamas. But, uh, yeah, if the guys can come up with Carlos. Hey, uh, so a quick, we're going to do a little different this time. We'll uh, do our little bumping our gums here, and then we'll sit down and show the video. But um, in 2019, a Hurricane Dorian came to the Bahamas and did some uh, pretty extensive damage to the uh, Abacos Island section. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been there, uh, particularly Marsh Harbor, where we went. And... Um, the place we worked at was a kids' camp that services all of the islands of the Bahamas plus Turks and Caicos. So uh, a really powerful ministry, and several of the buildings were just knocked over. Uh, second floors were just blown off because, as you'll see in the video, it is right on the ocean. And um, so we went, and we were, uh, we were charged with kind of getting these dorms back up and ready because this summer is going to be the first summer since 2019 they're going to open the camp back up. So uh, we were under some, uh, some time constraints to get some plumbing done and, and, and some... Uh, Bill headed up some beautiful carpentry work, and you'll see it in the video. Uh, but before these guys, a couple of you guys, if you want to say something, I just want to say this. Um, the, we got there on a Saturday, and about another dozen or so people from other churches um, throughout the country showed up on Monday. So we were there a couple of days. We left the following Saturday, and those folks stayed and were leaving Monday. And we were sitting in the airport in the Bahamas. It was mid-morning, and uh, I think I might have shared this with Pastor. I got a text from Mike King, who was sort of our missionary host there. Uh, some of you may know him from um, the Pathfinder days. And he texted me and said, hey, when you guys left, these guys lost all motivation. And uh, I just kind of looked at the guys, and I was just so proud because uh, these guys go, and they just get it done, man. They work hard. They play hard. We have a lot of fun. Um, but we, we realize we're there to do a job, and it's just amazing. And I just was so proud to be a part of a team that even the missionaries, like, hey, man, we, we kind of wish you guys had stayed, and they left almost the, without being kind of mean-spirited up here. But that's what it felt like. It felt good. So uh, quick thank you to Rusty Schuler and Frank Broom. They were our shuttles to and from the Philly airport. I oh, mean, it is so nice to not have to get back, catch the bus, go to the parking lot, warm up the van that's all iced up in February. So thank you guys for that. Anybody want to share anything? No? Oh. Is this a surprise? Uh, let, well, let me say uh, thanks to Chuck. I mean, I've been on uh, probably close to 30 missions trips, and I can say without 
any hesitation, Chuck is one of the best team leaders that I've ever worked with. And absolutely. And, and guys, if you want to go on a world-class missions trip with a world-class team leader, follow Chuck. He, he, he will take care of you. And uh, I mean, we got to do some really great things. We sang out of hymnals on Sunday morning. It wasn't that, that was like a real throwback. I enjoyed that because that's how I grew up. Uh, there was some pig wrestling, and I got bit by a stingray. And while we worked, Vinny and Carlos and I, we kind of had a team, the three of us together, and we had some very deep discussions. Vinny's getting married, so we gave him a lot of uh, marriage counseling. Uh, a lot of growth takes place. And uh, look out. Yeah. Uh, Carlos is a wealth of wisdom, and we talked about the body of Christ. So uh, they have some really cool thoughts on that. But it's amazing what the camaraderie that we build and get to share with other people and uh, the guys from the other church that we worked with. It was it, it was amazing to meet all these brothers and sisters in Christ and immediately your family. All right, Pastor, if you would come up, we'll do the plate presentation and then we'll sit down and show you the video. I saw you. Um, kind of oogling and peeping our team shirts with a little envy. So I got you one stashed in the bag as well. Yeah. So we got a bag and the plate. And the plate is interesting. Uh, we were kind of out. I don't know if you've been to Abacos, but it's not like Paradise Island. It is, it's kind of out in the sticks. And the, we, there was one place we could get a plate. We went to dinner. You'll see the uh, clip. And the, um, the, general, the assistant general superintendent um, is the guy who runs the camp. And his daughter-in-law is the one who actually made the play, and she signed it on the back. Um, so, pretty cool. All right. Hey, uh, before, you, before you go, I have an idea. Okay? He does. Chuck, I know, works these groups. They get a lot done. Late hours. I know sometimes you guys were texting me, sun was down, you're still working. Uh, but listen, next time, I'm thinking about going along sometime in the future. If you need someone to say grace over breakfast, lunch, and dinner, okay, <laughs> I will be, I will come with you guys, okay? I really will. So at this time, what do we have, a video? Okay.
know if I should share this or not, but a little bit of marital advice too. No, I mean, you know, it's, you, you guys get along really well. You know, during the engagement period, if, you, if you're having fights during the engagement period, see me. Because they say, you know, they do. They, sociologists, psychologists say it's the happiest time in a person's life. And, and, and then you get married. And, and, and it's amazing how things that wouldn't have been a problem before you got married suddenly are a problem. And the last fight my wife and I had, I, she asked a very simple question. I gave her a very simple answer. She asked me what was on the TV. And I told her dust. So. Stick with the videos I gave you, okay? They're better than what I'll give you personally. <laughs> Anyways, one more special thing this morning uh, before Pastor Brandon comes to share God's word with us. And I appreciate a few more minutes of your time. I um, want to talk about calling. Uh, one consistent theme found in scripture is the concept of calling. God called Abram and made him Abraham, the father of many nations, God called Moses to lead his people out of the bondage of the Egyptians and into the promised land. God called Old Testament leaders to be priests, judges, and prophets. God called Saul of Tarsus to be called Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles in the New Testament. And so you see, God regularly calls people for his purpose. And the proper response to any call is obedience. Obedience is the appropriate response to the call of God in our lives. And today we're setting aside some time this morning to acknowledge a pastoral call upon the life of Michael File. And I would like Michael to come forward at this time. I'd also like our pastors, Pastor Brandon and Pastor Hans, to come and join me here on the platform. You guys get on either side of him. Now, you are a black belt, is that right? Yes, I am. Can you take care of these guys for me? I <laughs> just want to confirm that. So, they were going to, they had actually suggested beforehand that we give you some kind of physical test uh, to go along with the spiritual test. But uh, Mike File has been leading the Deaf Church for almost five years now. Many of you may remember that we had a Deaf Church that moved into our facility in 2009. It was led by a Deaf uh, pastor, Korean pastor at that time. Uh, then he moved to another part of the country and the church went through some turbulent times. Uh, eventually, several of the members moved to other churches and that set the stage for the rebirth of a new Deaf Church uh, with a new name. And so on June 2017, Praise Deaf Church was started with Mike File taking the lead. And the Deaf Church is with us this morning. How about acknowledging them this morning? Appreciate you being with us. Now, while leading this church, Mike has been employed secularly. He has worked on the uh, educational requirements to obtain ministerial credentials with the Assemblies of God, and most recently was approved uh, at the level of certified minister. And this is why we're here this morning to commission Mike as a certified minister in the Assemblies of God. And just before he accepts the vows that accompany such recognition, I want to share with you a couple of passages of scripture that address the issue of calling. 
And the first is from Ephesians 4.1. The Apostle Paul said, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. To live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. You know, generally that, that, that verse applies to all of us. Okay? Each one of us should live lives that are worthy of God calling us into his family. Amen? We should behave. We should act like we're, that we really are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Brothers with our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. I mean, we're actually considered brothers of the Lord Jesus. And then the passage continues, and although it pertains to every believer, I, I feel as though it's excellent advice for any pastor. Ephesians 4.2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then another passage concerning calling is found in 2 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. It says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling. And election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Callings on any level are important. And that especially is a beautiful promise, a beautiful promise from God. And then there's a warning in James chapter 3, verse 1, which, which is for, specifically for teachers and preachers and leaders. James 3, 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's sobering. That is very humbling. And so with these verses in mind, I have four questions for Mike File this morning. First, Michael, do you solemnly commit yourself to the work of the ministry? To live as a man called by God to lead people into a vital relationship with Jesus Christ? If so, say I do. Will you champion the name of the Lord before the world? Living a life that is worthy of your high and holy calling. If so, say, I do. I do. Will you love and defend God's people so as to bring unity and blessing, giving special regard to holding your colleagues in high esteem? If so, say, I do. I do. Will you give yourself to prayer, study of the scriptures, and preaching of God's word? If so, say, I do. I do. Amen. Amen. Michael has already received a certificate of ministry recognition from general counsel, and I want to read it. This is to certify that Michael E. File, having given evidence of a divine call to the ministry and having attained to the scriptural standards prescribed by the General Council of the Assemblies of God and the approval of the Presbytery of the Pennsylvania Delaware District Council, is hereby given a certificate of ministry and authorization to perform all essential functions of a certified minister subject to the laws of the state. Duly signed, approved by General Superintendent Doug Clay and our General Secretary, Donna Barrett. And so what I'd like us to do is have all of you stand and gentlemen, let's lay hands on Mike and pray God's blessing as he continues to serve and to minister as he has for these years. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this moment in time. Lord, just a recognition, a recognition by man of something you've already done in Michael's heart. Lord, we thank you, God, for putting this church on his heart. Lord, for, for the years when it existed under Pastor Kim, Lord, it was a different church. And Lord, now it's, 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 it has changed. And Lord, I thank you for the leadership that Michael and his wife have brought to this church.
And Lord, I pray, God, that you would draw people in. Lord, one man plants, another waters, but you give the increase. And Lord, specifically, we pray increase for Michael and for his family. Lord, use them for your purpose, for your glory. Lord God, I pray that you'd give him wisdom and guidance as he plans messages. And whether they be thematic, whether they be topical, Lord, whether they be expositional. Lord, I pray, God, your rich anointing would continue in his life and in his ministry. Father, I pray you protect him, Lord, from the evil one. Just as, as Jesus told Peter that, that Satan wanted to sift you. Lord, we know that the enemy comes against families of ministers. And Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for the power to rebuke the devourer, to rebuke the enemy, to come against discouragement, to come against all the things that would try to bring us down. And we put him into your hands, Lord. And we ask God for your protective hedge around him by the power of your Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. and amen. Amen. You may be seated. And now, Pastor Brandon. I was going to say that almost looked like we could have gone down the line if we got in the right order. Certified, licensed, ordained. <laughs> Growing with each phase, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Hans. Well, good morning. So as you know, uh, Vinny, oh, where'd Vinny go? I had some great marital advice for him. I'll tell you, Sarai, because it's actually for you. Don't let him ever tell you that he can't do it, because you see in these videos, he's done it all. So when he says, I don't know how to do that, nah, you have the video to prove it. <laughs> so we've been in a series, I know it's been, you know, broken up, but we are in a series called Heroes. And today, it's a little different um, in talking about heroes, because I want to talk about unsung heroes, unsung heroes, and kind of in the movies that we see, these are referred to as sidekicks. So say one if you know it, Batman and Robin. See, everybody knows. But Bat Batman gets all the glory and all the fame, and Robin gets and Robin, you know, it's always that. See if you can get this one, Superman and Lois Lane, Lois Lane. Women, women can be in there. Don't be shy. Don't, don't mutter it. It's okay. This is a tougher one. Captain America and Bucky Barnes. There you go. Good job. Women, Top Gun, Maverick and Goose. That was a male voice. I was looking for the women to shout that out. You know Top Gun. Who remembers the Pink Panther? So Inspector Clouseau had Cato. And if you remember what Cato did, he would hide just to sharpen Inspector Clouseau's gifts and, and, and strategies, he would hide and attack him out of nowhere. And they would fight, and it would be this funny scene uh, in the movie. But sidekicks, it almost seems like it's a, der a derogatory term, but it really is not. These were, in, in, maybe not in all of the cases, but in many of the cases, and we'll use the word hero, you know, as kind of the, the leader, if you will, but they gave a different perspective that maybe the hero didn't have. They were very valuable to the hero. They had intangible skills of their own that the hero didn't possess. So he, they complimented him very well, or her. They had knowledge, maybe, that the hero did not have. They helped refine, as we saw with Inspector Clouseau, refine his skills in defense and, and, and fighting. 
Um, they complimented him. Everything they did was to make better the hero, to put the emphasis on the hero, taking nothing for themselves. And many times, not even known or, or less credit, if any, at all. Any Super Bowl hero, and I want to rephrase that, any humble Super Bowl hero would tell you that their success was directly in proportion to the team. They know, and we know, that a quarterback on their own can't simply win the game. He needs the support of his teammates. He needs everybody to be doing their job in order for him to do their job. You Eagle fans know that. <laughs> Sorry. I make fun of some of them. Everyone doing their designated job, what does that do? It makes the quarterback, ultimately most of the time in the Super Bowl, the MVP. Because they did their job, he was able to do his job very well. But I can tell you, and you've seen this many times, everybody not doing their job, the fall guy becomes the quarterback, and the blame goes on him. True or not, that's, that's, how it, that's the case it is. Any Olympic, Olympic athlete, we just came through the Winter Olympics, there is always another or others who contributed to that very success. Granted, they are talented, they have the skill, but there were coaches, parents who sacrificed not only financially, but uh, I used to have friends that did like hockey years ago when hockey wasn't as prevalent, you know, you didn't have skating rinks everywhere. They were getting up early mornings and driving their kids to hockey. And, and you, can tell, you can hear anybody who is in the NHL, the National Hockey League, that it was commitment. You, you were driving everywhere to get to these things. And I think pretty early on, hopefully you know, you either have a Tiger Woods or you don't. You know? So you invest in the Tiger Woods and you appease the not so good. You, know? you let them get through high school, girls. You remember that. I let you play sports in high school. I didn't give them <laughs> any false hopes. You know, they did a good job. I told them good job. You know? But you, you pretty much know that you, you have a Tiger Woods or you don't. So... But very few Olympic athletes, I don't know why I'm struggling with that word, um, but few accomplish all of these things on their own. Granted, again, they have the, the, the skill, but very few are self-made. And you may have heard the saying before, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. All right? So he could be the Lone Ranger, but even he had this sidekick. Leonard Bernstein, I don't know if you know that name, he was an American composer, conductor, uh, concert pianist. He has this quote. It says, and, and you may have heard me share this before, the hardest instrument in the orchestra to play is second violin. And the reason is, is that the second violin has to know everything the first violinist knows, but be willing to sit in the subordinate role. And sometimes we don't do very well in those roles. Unsung heroes are often not celebrated or praised, and they may go unnoticed. All of, if you played football, I mean, and you could take this two ways, but you know that if the offensive line, football term, if the offensive line does their job, all the glory goes to the quarterback, and oftentimes they are nameless. I mean, who remembers all six linemen that block for Tom Brady? I mean, other than Sean Hale, you may know those names, but you have to take an interest but those with invaluable skills and talents can go without being recognized. But I can tell you this, 
that Tom Brady knows the names of every one of those. You can go down the list of, of quarterbacks. They know the names of these guys because they know their success is largely responsible for their efforts. There's a, a, a popular song you may have heard. It's, it's sung at weddings. It was actually sang at my graduation way back when. Uh, retirement parties, birthday parties. And you may not even know this. I'll even point to this. Songwriting. You know, you, you know the song by this famous person and you, you assume, but they didn't write the song. You have songwriters behind the scenes who like it that way. Sometimes they come out and they try to do songs on their own and they're not very good. It's like, no, give them to the, the stars. This song was written by Jeff Silbar, his name was. And, but it was recorded by numerous singers, you may know it, but maybe not by some of these. Gladys Knight sang it. Lou Rawls did it the best in my version. And Bette Midler, who popularized the song in the 1988 movie, Beaches. It's called Wind Beneath My Wings. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm not writing this thing. But it was, the wor it was worth seeing my family anticipate what was going to happen right there. The wind beneath my wings. It, it was sung, <laughs> it was all about recognizing those that you realize helped you get to where you were at. And you wanted them to know that you recognized them. You saw them in, the, in, in all of the struggle, but in all that you did. I want you to listen to these lyrics. This is some great songwriting. I should have just sung it. <laughs> it must have been cold there in my shadow to never have sunlight on your face. You were content to let me shine, that's your way. You always walked a step behind. Did you ever know that you're my hero and everything I'd like to be? I can fly higher than an eagle, for you are the wind beneath my wings. Great song, great song. And, and again, many different versions of it. There were other people I heard sang it that I didn't even know sang it, but I just knew, you know the song, very popular. But I can tell you that there are those of us who don't like that subordinate role. We want the recognition. We want the notoriety. We want people to know, hey, he may have done that, but he, you know, really, I was responsible. We all struggle with that. That's the pride coming up within us. And even oftentimes in the movies, uh, the sidekick ends up rebelling against the hero. And they think they're going to do it better. You ever see that? And they, they go out and they do it total opposite. And they're actually evil in their ways. We've seen that in many movies. There's a, a, another popular song, I should have sang this one too. Maybe you know this one, the Oak Ridge Boys, saying, nobody wants to play rhythm guitar behind Jesus. Everybody wants to be the lead singer in the band. And that is our pride. We're, sometimes we're not very good at the subordinate role. We want to be out in the front. But for those of us that are humble, there are others of us that, that thrive in this subordinate role. A complete and total support person. I used to have a girl that played piano on a worship team that I led, and oftentimes, it never failed. I'd get sick on a Saturday night. And I don't like these calls too. Pastor, fortunately, it's never happened to where pastor had to say, I'm not gonna be there tomorrow, you gotta preach. That would be a struggle. And this girl, I would do that to her. I, I, I'm sick, I'm sorry I can't be there, can you lead? And she would do it very begrudgingly, 
and just say, she knows it's important that I, one, get away on vacation, so she would never say no. And in that situation, what are you going to do? She's got to do it. But she said, I am this to you. I, am, I will do whatever you need me to do, but I do not want to lead. So there are people that know their place. They know uh, that our purpose is to assist and to help build up the hero. Pastor, I, I was saying, you know, Pastor Hans and I, you would say we're sidekicks to Pastor. You'd say that? No? You wouldn't say that? I think so. But we were in, our, in your office one time. We were having a meeting, and Anna had your kids here. I don't know if you remember this. And you, the two boys, Zach and uh, Jude, came in. And we're talking, and the boys come in, and they're going to do what they do. And they start kind of wrestling around and pushing one another. And he's telling them, boys, come on. You got, and I said to Hans, he probably, that's how he views us. I feel like he's, we're those two boys just arguing and wrestling around in there. <laughs> but I'm good with my position. I really am. I am an assistant pastor, and I know what that means. And, um, and Pastor Hans, what we do is to make him look good. So, right? I, I hope we do a good job. <laughs> so really, I could talk about today Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is an unbelievable hero of the faith. Um, but he knew this, this subordinate role better than anybody because his was to point to Jesus Christ and take nothing for himself. Though he could have, he chose not to. It was his mission not to point to himself but to Christ. He counted it joy to share in the sufferings of Christ. And he knew what it was to submit all that he went through. He was a true hero of the faith. If you know, if you don't know, he more, wrote more than half the New Testament. Uh, he encourages uh, churches. He planted churches. He traveled. He, he brought correction and instruction when needed. But he endured many hardships, all for the sake of the gospel. But today, I want to talk about a few of the unsung heroes. Now, they're not totally unsung because they're in Scripture, so Paul gave them credit, but there are countless number of, of men and women that helped Paul in his ministry. And I, I just want to talk about a couple of those. These are, these are ones he could count on and depend on to accomplish his goal, which was to spread the gospel. And I want to say that some of them, although had more prominent roles and, and more, uh, you know, more scripture written about them, all Paul would tell you all were vital in spreading the gospel. And even he alone knew he couldn't do it all on his own. You know, we can't do it as much as we think. We can't do it on our own. So I want to read just a few verses here and, and talk about some of these. So the first is Romans 16, 3 through 5. It says, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them. And so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. So Priscilla and Aquila were a married couple uh, who were instrumental in helping Paul. Uh, they, we read here, they risked their lives for Paul. And, and they allowed their home to be a place where Paul could come and, and relax, wh whether he was coming through town or whatever. And, and I want to say, do you have that place? Do you know people 
that you, you just know, if I show up at their house, I am going to be able to go in and just sit and not, I, I get very uncomfortable, don't take this the wrong way, when people come to my house, because I feel like I got to entertain, and I'm not a good entertainer, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't sing to people when they come to my home, I don't, you know, I, I'm just content, but see, I know what it is to go to somebody's house, and I don't need any entertainment, I don't need any, any doting on me, I just want to go and relax. We, we would do good to have people like this in our lives. It said that their home was used to start churches in Ephesus and in Rome. And they accompanied Paul in, to Ephesus. They even helped tutor another companion, Apollos. They even helped uh, in, in that regard. They helped to bring stabilization and encourage and grow several churches all on behalf of Paul. And I think the only reason we know their name is because Paul mentions them so many times. So we know that they were vital in his ministry. They also worked in Ephesus in one of these churches with Pastor Timothy, if you know the name Timothy. Uh, and I want to read Philippians 2, uh, 19 through 24. It says, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you for a visit. This is uh, Paul speaking. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Paul says that Timothy was like a son to him. Paul, having no children, had this son. And it's, Timothy was a great student. Uh, I, I probably spoke, I, I don't know if it was Mother's Day last year, that Timothy, all he had learned was through his mother and his grandmother of the scriptures. So he was well-learned at a young age. So much so that Paul could trust him in his stead. And when Paul couldn't be there, he sent Timothy on for him. And it was with the same heart that Paul would have gone in. He trusted Timothy enough to take that message to the other churches. He was listed as co-author of six of the letters in the New Testament. He was personally written two letters from Paul, First and Second Timothy, uh, in the New Testament. And in fact, in Paul's last days, it was Timothy that he was hopeful would get to come and see him one more time. He was dependable. He was trustworthy, he was upright, he was a student, he was a friend, and he was a son to Paul. And what I want to point to you is, you could be uh, a leader. You could, you could be in a, in a place of leadership, and you would do well to pray that God would send you people like this. You would do well to seek that out. It would be a wise decision on your part. Barnabas. This is, this is a great one. Acts 9, 26 through 27. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. And then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Barnabas was instrumental in the early days of Paul's ministry. As we see here, the apostles were, they knew him as Saul the Zealot, who was imprisoning people 
uh, putting them uh, you know, in, in great difficulty. And now he comes and says he's one of them. And I'm thinking, they're thinking, yeah, right. You know, this is just a ploy to get in and, and do what you're going to do. But Barnabas was so well-known and respected and a godly Levite that he gave legitimacy to Paul's ministry. And he gave the okay that he basically put his name out there and said, I stand for Paul. He, is, he, is, uh, he preaches boldly the name of Jesus Christ. Again, we would, we would do well to have friends like this as well. He supported him so on his first missionary journey. And he was extremely important in, in support and in, in uh, getting him started. Because we've all been there. We've all had these starts. And to have somebody behind us who was supporting us is, is vital. Silas. Paul was impressed with him so much so that he accompanied Paul and Timothy very early on on Paul's second missionary journey. And it says Silas was grounded in knowledge and in the scriptures. He was well respected as a prophet and a teacher. He was also beaten, bloodied, and unjustly imprisoned with Paul. And it was Paul and Silas, you know the, the story, that they, they worshipped and they sang even while shackled in prison, so much so that uh, as a result of their worship and praise, the gates were flung open, their shackles were loosed, and they, they were able to have their freedom. And I wonder... Do I have friends like that? Or, or am I a friend like that to somebody that I'm willing to be unjustly accused, maybe by association alone? Am I willing to go through what Silas went through for Paul? There's a beautiful portion of Scripture for me, uh, and I, I think you'll find it as well, where Moses had two such companions. This is found in Exodus 13, uh, 17, excuse me, 8 through 13. You know this story well. While the people of Israel was, were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage, but whenever he dropped his hand, the Amal Am Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer, longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, and they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, as a result Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Talk about the wind beneath your wings. That, that right there is literally holding his arms up in support of their brother so that they would win the battle. Paul had many companions who would stand with him and support the work of the Lord. And we've looked at, I mean, who hasn't heard of uh, Silas and who hasn't heard of Barnabas? There's some other names that I want to run off to you. And, and we know some of these because they're actually uh, books of the Bible or stories very popular. Onesimus, Paul called a faithful and beloved brother. Philemon was a beloved friend and fellow laborer. Apollos, an eloquent man and mighty in stature, uh, in scripture, excuse me. Lydia, Lydia was a, a convert of Paul's 
who once she became, who, when she came to faith in Jesus Christ, her whole household got saved uh, into Jesus Christ. And it, her home became a center of church activity whenever Paul would stay in Philippi. And some believe I, that Lydia took the gospel to Thyatira when God prevented Paul from going. So again, Paul knew enough that he could trust in these people to go in his stead and bring the same heart. Here's a tough one. I, I, this name, Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. 2 Timothy 1, 16 through 18 says, May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return and know very well how helpful was, was he in Ephesus. Think about that. He simply mentions him because he visited him and encouraged him. And some said uh, uh, in, in a book I was reading on the life of Paul, it was said that if Onesiphorus wouldn't have been known and if he hadn't visited and encouraged Paul, maybe Paul wouldn't have gone on either. He was very discouraged. When he was in prison, uh, it says he was in chains. But Paul points because he knows that these people were so vital. And, and, and I want to say this too, is what you do for another in the name of Jesus Christ is not insignificant. No matter how small it may seem, it's never insignificant. These served Paul as friends Companions, colleagues, co-workers, fellow prisoners, supporters, encouragers, and so much more. They were from many cities, many ethnic backgrounds. Uh, they spoke various languages. They had different talents all on their own, but they all had one thing in common, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And their strength of character, this is, this is a quote from a book by Henry Blackaby on the, the life of Paul. It says, their strength of character... And their determination to spread the gospel and strengthen believers bonded them together. A common purpose with a common heart. Any differences they may have had gave way to their desire to bring glory to God working together in his kingdom. I want to ask you today, if you are a leader, or uh, let me say this, I've already said what I wanted to say about that, that you would be wise to seek out followers like this, supporters and encouragers who think similarly, who believe, and the, they have the common goal of Jesus Christ. But I wonder today, am I, am I a Timothy to somebody? Am, am I uh, a Silas? Am I willing to be bloodied and beaten and, and ridiculed, uh, again, just by association of somebody? Am I an Aaron and a Hur who, who lifts my brother's arms up when they're tired? And I know these are all figuratively speaking, but we can see where these things would come into our lives. And I want to ask you, are you? Are you like any of these? Can you, can you point to those and say, I, I think I am like that? We may feel insignificant. And I want to say this, the, the position we may have may not be the most attractive position. We may not get the accolades or the recognition that we may so rightly deserve, the rewards but you are not insignificant today. And just like all of these companions that, that assisted Paul in his ministry, if you would have the same common theme 
that it's Jesus Christ we're pointing people to. It doesn't matter who gets the accolades. You may never get, on this side of heaven, you may never get the thanks or the appreciation that you so rightly deserve. You may even get discouraged, because I've been there, and I know we all get that way sometimes. We feel defeated or worn out or tired from our work, even for the Lord. We can become discouraged. But that's where we need to surround ourselves with encouragers who will build us up. What I can promise you is this. If you will work as though for the Lord, if that is the common theme, I can promise you the Lord sees and he knows. And, he, he know, and I want you to know that what you do for Jesus Christ is not in vain. Is not in vain. And any leader, whether it, if, if I've been in any leadership with you or, or otherwise or with pastor, uh, whether it's helping Pastor Hans out or Miss Lucy out in Kids Church or any other of these areas, I want to tell you we as leaders appreciate you so much. We couldn't do it all. You know, we, we, we're, we've talked before about pastoring a smaller church, you know, or less than the significant church where you don't have the workers, and that pastor has to do a lot more. And it's very difficult, and it leads to burnout, and, and you just can't take it anymore. I want to tell you that if you are or have been a volunteer, you are appreciated. You are needed. And I would even go to say right now, you are needed in, in the future. If you've never stepped out, and I certainly didn't think to take this in this direction, but if you would step out because you want to please the Lord and get involved in an area of ministry, I want to promise you the Lord sees and he knows. I will definitely give you recognition. I will give you thanks and appreciation. Any one of the staff would give you that this morning, but let not that be your goal. Let it to be to please the Lord and say, Lord, whatever I have, I, I, I maybe feel insignificant. Maybe I'm not, we're not all going to be a Silas. We're not all going to be a Barnabas. But there were so many countless people that had such a, an effect on Paul's ministry that that could be you today. And this, this body can grow and thrive and, and just go to another level. I believe that. It takes all of us because we, we can't do it on our own. But with the help and endurance the Holy Spirit can provide, we can become a success, not for ourselves, but for Jesus Christ. It was never meant to be a one-man show. So I want to ask you today as we close, be, will you be an unsung hero? Are, would you be willing to do that? Because your reward would have to come from God. You're not always going to get the, the pat on the back from those around us. But know that there is a great reward one day to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That is the, the reward. That should be the goal of all of us. But until such time, would you get involved? You've never done it before. You don't even know what it's about. Come and see the leaders of those areas and see how you can go about it. I think it's a great segue into children's workers class. We are doing right now um, people that are currently working. But in just a few weeks, we're going to be welcoming new people who want to get involved. And I, I pray that you pray about it and come and be a part of what God's doing. It, it's great to come here and, and sing and, and worship, but there's so much more that goes on in this church, and we want you to be a part of it. So I want to ask you to bow your heads today and seriously ask the Lord if that's what he'll do. Lord, would you help us, God? 
Father, I, I thank you for all the people in my life, Lord, that thankful for technology and Facebook that I can go back and thank people that I didn't get a chance to thank, to, thank at that time. I was too immature. I didn't have an appreciation. But in my life now, I have such a great appreciation for all those who, who came and encouraged me and built me up and assisted me, uh, whether it was a, a worship team I served on or a church I served in, Lord. I thank you for those people. Lord, but even me, I haven't always gotten thanks for the things that I've done or, or the people that I've served, Lord, and that's okay because, Lord, I know that I'm doing it for you. If I wasn't doing it for you, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. God, but I pray today that you would move upon our hearts, God, to, to ask of you what you would have us to do. Lord, and that you would birth it within us, God. Not that it would be left here today, but Lord, it would begin a stirring in our hearts of what we can do for you today. Lord, work on our hearts. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us, give us direction. But Lord, thank you, Lord, that many times, uh, Lord, we, we have just been a part of something, Lord. And, and I thank you, Lord, if, we're, if we have support people here. That's great. Lord, people praying for us, and, and, and that is so needed because no job is insignificant. Lord, so I pray that you would just talk to us, Lord, in our quiet times and in our devotional times, and that you would show us. Lord, maybe we are in an Aaron and her. Maybe we are at that level, and we can come and, and just empower those in leadership. But help us, God. Lord, only by your Holy Spirit we pray. Father, I thank you for this, this day. Thank you for uh, Pastor, who, is, who we will now call Pastor Mike File. Lord, that you would just bless him in his ministry. God, as, as he begins this journey, Lord God, that we've all been called to. I pray that you would just dwell with him, Lord God. Give him direction, we pray. Lord, we thank you now in advance, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.